Running Light Ministry podcast brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Okay, welcome to the Running Light podcast, and my guest today is a good friend of mine. Her name's Bethany, and how's it going, Bethany? Good, how are you? Doing good. I'm pretty excited to be here with you and to talk with you about so many cool things. Mm -hmm. Bethany um, actually is on the board of Running Light Ministry, and she also um, has her own group. You want to kind of tell people what you do with the group? Sure. So we have a women's group that meets once a month and it's for wives or family members who are female um, whose um, family members are struggling with lust or sexual addiction or um, just what we deal with in this ministry so yeah um, it's a place to come and talk and share and pray together and um, the goal of the group is for it to be just a community of women um, for me and my recovery um, having someone there to listen to me and help me um, was so healing. And so mm. that's really the goal of the group. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome. You yourself went through a lot too. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And why don't you tell people briefly just about kind of your background? I'm not sure where to start. Um, yeah. Well, what, well, let me ask you, like, what was your first, um, what was your idea of sex growing up? Um. Well, I was sort of taught that... Um, you shouldn't have sex so you don't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was never really about holiness um, or something. Um, you know, I remember being taught that it was um, something that we save for that special someone, you know. But even that, for me, when I met someone that I thought I was going to marry, you know, oh, he's a special someone. So there was no you know, waiting for marriage or anything like that. Um, And also I grew up in a community where um, there was a lot of just joking about sexual things and Mm -hmm. it was sort of normal. Um, I remember in college watching porn with my friends and just laughing like it was no big deal. And um, it was kind of weird, you know, just people sitting around on the couch watching porn together. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, those are some of my, I mean, I remember that too with guys, you know, and some would be laughing, some would be into it, you know, it's just different, different reactions. I think it would shock people though, to know like you were, when you were in college, there was, you know, girls actually watching this and, and they, you know, um, do you find that, um, that a lot of women that you work with, um, like that they, kind of say things like, man, well, I just don't understand why anybody would ever view pornography, you know? Definitely. Like, yeah. do you ever share that story that, hey, you know, when I was in college, like, uh, there was women that actually, you know, were watching it. No, like, I haven't shared that story. Yeah. But that would probably, probably should. That, that would probably, that would probably <laughs> blow them away, yeah. you know, because they're, they're probably, is, you know, I think there is a stereotype a lot of times, there right? Is, where, yeah. where guys are into pornography mm-hmm. and that uh, women aren't. Right. You know, type of thing that they don't view it or they're not curious or right. anything like that about their sexuality or about right. sex in general. Right. You know, so, but you got, you girls are just as kind of in, not into it maybe, but certainly curious. Yeah, definitely. You know, so, uh, what was the idea of, of sex, um, kind of in the context of, uh, a biblical framework when you were growing up? Mm, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. That was something I think that was lacking, so... Um, and, and I remember too, I was thinking about the other day, all the guys that I dated had porn on their walls, just 
naked girls and thongs or things like that. And yeah. And I remember dating them and sort of being jealous, you know, like, I don't really like this. But it was just so normal. I mean, um, one of the guys I dated right before my husband, his family, they would hire strippers for, you know, their spouses. And so that was sort of the culture that I was in, you know. Um, yeah. It was just sort of normal, I guess. And it's kind of it's kind of great because we know there's so many good ministries out there um, that are run by, you know, maybe a woman who who has had a husband that has confessed their their bondage to pornography, mm-hmm. and through the wife's recovery, she starts a ministry. Yeah. Um, and maybe her background is one where she is raised in a church and home, uh, you know, a very conservative environment. She maybe never really strayed from the straight and narrow. Yeah. You know, kind of thought she would get married, and she did to a great guy, and ended up, you know, ten years down the road in their marriage, he comes out and says, "Man, yeah. I have watched porn," and she's like, "Oh no!" Right. You know what I mean? It's like this total chaos where you're kind of different because you know you're younger. I mean, obviously, people listening to the podcast can't see you, but yeah. you're maybe thirty years old. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're kind of the a younger generation. Yeah. Um, you've been wrapped up in technology for a long time in Definitely. your life. Mm-hmm. You know, so you've been influenced by that. Um, so it's not like you got went into your marriage going like, hey, you know, um, you know, uh, um, I'm expecting like perfection here in our sexuality. What did you find though when you got married? What were you expecting? What were the failures? What were the letdowns? Um, well, I think I was expecting devotion and faithfulness. Still, I I wanted that. I think every woman wants that. And every I think man would want that too. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. But yeah. there was, um, I mean, I remember a couple days before we got married, my husband confessed some things to me, and um, and I was sort of shocked, I guess. But um, he still treated me better than the other men I'd been with, a lot better. Mm. And um, and again, it was sort of this is what everyone does in my culture, and um, and he's at least sorry, you know. Um, and so I, I thought pretty highly of that, you know, (laughs) what do you say to young girls? Like, um, when they're dating, do you, do you, uh, say, Hey, don't settle for, for, uh, like, you know, for uh, a low, you know, kind of idea of a man. Because um, it seems like you kind of went through this thing where you were settling just with these kind of normal yeah. kind of jerks, if you will. Yeah. You know, and then you meet one who's not such a jerk. Yeah. And it's like you're measuring. <laughs> your measuring is always like on the negative. Yeah. You know, yeah, scale. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, mm. I think um, ideally there would have been a lot more Christ in my life growing up and especially in dating. Mm. Um, it's not something I considered. I mean, I remember being post-married and then. Um, being involved in a youth, youth ministry and they were talking about courting and I'd never heard that ever. Like, yeah. And it was like, whoa. Courting? What's what that? What is this? That sounds like, serious, man. <laughs> yeah. And just the idea of being in a group with, you know, friends and, I yeah. mean, 
For me, waiting three days to kiss somebody was like a long time. Yeah, and and I think for a lot of people that come to church, it's that's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of kids that do maybe uh, come to a youth group and they hear maybe a real conservative talk on dating. You know, like uh, Josh Harris wrote the book uh, "I Kiss Dating Goodbye." Mm -hmm. You know, and if you were to present that, you know, a lot of students would be just like, "What? Like, what? What do you mean? Like, that's so ingrained in the culture. It's it's so difficult to kind of move away." from that mm-hmm. you know so you never did kind of move away from that the cultural no. kind of way of dating and things like that and you, so you, you get married um you know you're expecting you know this devotion this faithfulness um you yourself probably in your own heart have made a decision right mm-hmm. to to be faithful to this person right and and for you there wasn't a past of like sexual um uh, kind of bondage into like a pornography or anything like that. No, not really. I mean, I'd had encounters. I look back on now that were just dis- destructive to yeah. me mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I was all in with my husband and excited about our future. I sort of, I think one of the things I had to work through was sort of that fairy tale, like Prince Charming, you know, never going to do any wrong sort of mentality, thinking that this person is going to be your happiness, you Mm. know? Yeah. Um, And do you think a lot of young girls probably enter the marriage that way? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of women, I mean, it's just, we grew up watching Disney movies and, um, it's just kind of, it's in there. What makes us valuable, you know, or what gives life meaning or our, our Prince Charming, you know, but for me, Jesus has, had to be the Prince Charming, you know, that replaces my husband in a sense. That That's not something that he can ever fulfill. He's mm. never going to be perfect, you know. Yeah, that's, that's important. I think even as a man, you know, when you get married, you tend to assume that your wife will be faithful and will be everything. And I, I, I think on both sides of the fence, male or female in the marriage, you know, you have to come to that realization that that person cannot meet the needs that only God can meet in your life. Um, Pornography tends to bring, uh, force the issue, doesn't it, in a marriage? You know, when when someone gets caught uh, viewing pornography or infidelity, then all of a sudden those those issues become on the forefront, Mm -hmm. you know, of that person, the victim's heart. You know, is God really enough? Mm -hmm. Has he been enough? Right. You know, and, you know, because they see utter failure in their spouse, which is which is such a huge jump from where they were when they were on the altar getting married. The emotional high Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden this amazing emotional low through this negative action that's taken place. Now, when you found out about kind of your husband, I mean, did you know all along that he struggled with stuff? I did. I did. We had... um my husband was very open with me, and I think that made a big difference, honestly, in our recovery. There wasn't a lot of lying and covering up and, you know, me finding something out. He always came to me. Um, and when we were in college together, he came to me multiple times. So I was mm-hmm. aware, and, and we had tried to fix the issue. I mean, we'd gotten rid of Facebook and um, yeah, done, done things that we thought would help, you know, the issue. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I think I was sort of naive and thinking, you know, it was just going to go away. And um, That makes me think, you use the word naive, you know, do you think many younger generation ladies um, are in a sense naive 
to the reality of our culture and the sensuality of the culture and its impact on their significant other. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's sort of interesting. Um, My story is my my husband told me pretty much everything he was thinking. And so in a sense, I sort of became inundated with like, Mm. you know, seeing things through a man's point of view. And we'd go out and it'd be like, oh, man, I know what he's thinking about, you know. Um, And it was like I almost became sort of pornified in the way I started to see things Mm. because of the conversations that we had. And um, like it's almost it's like it makes you jaded, but almost in a sense, I'm thankful. Yeah. Explain that process, like um, because I think it's going to be interesting to have you unravel that package a little bit. Like, so when he's thinking he's struggling with stuff, right? He mm-hmm. maybe is sharing with you right. the struggle. So he goes, Hey, Bethany, you know, this is how, like, when we go out, this is kind of, I'll see this girl maybe and, you know, and I'll think she's hot and then yeah. I'll start fantasizing about her in my mind. And then how, how do you process that? Like, when you say you were pornified, you became pornified. How did that? Well, I, I tried to pick it apart. Like, I really tried to understand why this was happening. And, um, I think that's just one of my struggles with, with me. I always want to know why, why, why to everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we would go out and I could tell that he was struggling and and I just pick, pick, pick and try and sort of get to the root of what was going on and in a sense, sort of try and be his psychologist or something, you know? Okay. So it made you jaded though. And that's what you mean by pornified. It kind of made you start looking at everything through this sexual lens. Yeah, definitely. You know, to the point where I remember being ashamed of like feeling like I couldn't even go out, um, or I needed to be really covered up and, um, just really worrying about what other people were thinking about me and sort of seeing myself as a sexual object. Um, and that was a really, really tough time. So yeah, and then, and then, um, you know, so so you knew already that he was that way. Then all of a sudden, he, you know, does he finally just come out and say, "Hey, um, blah," or, or does um, he does he make a bigger confession later on in the marriage? Or yeah, um, it wasn't exactly a confession. We were actually on a trip, and um, he um, had seen a girl that he thought was attractive, and had this thought that he wanted to have sex with her and it just wouldn't go away. And, um, he ended up confessing to me that he was thinking about leaving me and that he wasn't sure that he ever loved me and that he didn't find me attractive. And, um, it was really shocking that we'd gotten to that place, um, to me because I always thought that we had a really good friendship and, um, great chemistry, um, in our marriage. And so I was just, I guess, kind of flabbergasted Mm. by that, um, possibility of him leaving me for a stranger that he might not even, that might not even want to have sex with him. Yeah. And then at that point, you know, I mean, you just pull away. Well, actually at that point I didn't pull away. Mm -hmm. Um, God gave me a lot of love for my husband. And I look back on that I don't know, I think it was three weeks or a month. And I, I think God just protected me and just filled me with so much love and just helped me serve him. And there did come a time where I did pull away. But um, in that moment, um, it, it wasn't it wasn't then. And had I pulled away in that moment, I'm not sure that we would have been 
that we'd be married, honestly. Yeah. So. And when you talk about it, I mean, now, and it's been years and years. Yeah. Is it still pretty emotional when you when you think back on those things? Not really, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, our life is so different now. It's sort of um, one of the blessings to being in the group for me is that I sort of get to relive and remember those times. And you forget, you know, you forget what it's like. Um, and my life is totally different. I mean, I wouldn't recognize it, honestly. It's yeah. just... The, and, and, and it's important, I think, that we understand why it's different. You know, because some people would say, well, it's different because, you know, my husband no longer views porn. Right. And that's like their main thing. Yeah. That's not really true, though. Yeah. Well, (laughs) why? Why would you say that? Well, my husband still struggles every day. Okay. So, I mean, the struggle is different for sure. It's not like a perpetual um, habitual sin, I think, like it was before, but... Um, I don't know. I think the main difference is that I just, I'm more secure in our love for one another. And, mm-hmm. um, there's not that possibility of him being pulled away from me because of, you know, what he's doing or, you know, really for a long time, he was unsure about me and, um, unsure about his attraction to me and all of those things. And so now that that's not there, there's a lot more peace, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. My first thought was, you know, it's amazing how so many women, when they when they hear about their husbands viewing pornography, one of the first thoughts is, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, something's wrong with the way I look. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say that's true? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Even though it's, 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 it's so odd because a lot of my time, whether it's in blogging over the last nine years on this or just writing about it, researching the subject... It really has nothing to do mm-hmm. with looks, yeah. you know, and um, and it's hard to convince a wife, yeah. you know, that, hey, it has nothing to do with the way you look, right? you know, um, and today's pornography obviously is 50% amateur, probably mm-hmm. online, right? so you have all shapes and sizes, mm-hmm. you know, colors, right. whatever, mm-hmm. and um, so there's today more than ever, the pornography that is viewed is not high-end erotica right that we would we would think right um you know it's just usually people are just wrapped up in something else Mm -hmm. you know did that really you know did it take you a long time to kind of come to that realization yeah a long time (laughs) yeah a lot of working through and um i remember actually your wife said to me um something like how these things tend to bring to the surface what's already there And for me, there was a lot of insecurity that was already there. And one of my first relationships, um, the guy I was with wanted me to change everything about myself. I mean, he wanted me to get tattoos. He wanted me to have dark hair. He wanted me to get piercings. (laughs) And, you know, I'm fair skinned and, you know, light eyed and just Mm -hmm. that's not that's not me, you know. And um, and so there was already that, that insecurity. I'm not enough, you know, there. And, um, and then my husband actually said those things too, you know, so that sort of compounded the issue for me. And, um, it was a a cool healing process though. I mean, there was one point where I'd grown my hair out and it was sort of like a, a security blanket to me. Like, 
I don't know, my way of feeling a little bit more like a porn star with mm-hmm. my husband. Yeah. And I felt like God wanted me to chop it all off. Yeah. And like if I were to ask you, what's your, what's your description of a porn star since you've mentioned it? Like what would be just the, the normal thing that you would probably think? I just think of someone beautiful mm-hmm. and um, thin mm-hmm. and large breasted and, mm-hmm. um, you know, a nice looking person. Yeah, but so. it's neat. It's it's good that you put um, adjectives, you know, to things large, yeah. this, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, how you view the hair, how mm-hmm. you view the body, right? You know those type of things because that is something you have to at some point tear down, right? You know, when you found out, like, hey, you know, God, my husband, you know, what is that? His issue maybe is much more than just. You know, he, it's not that he's looking for someone prettier or anything like that. It's that there's something deeper in yeah. his heart. Did it did it give you a compassion on him or did it help you to, in a sense, kind of go, man, like there's so much more that he this guy's struggling with, you know, kind of, you know, that opening up of knowledge in your own mind of his issues kind of give you a compassion or, or were you just not really there? Are you just not really there? Are you just like, oh my gosh, I don't even care what he's going through. I'm just yeah. focused on me. Yeah. I mean, I think that was really me for a long time. I was just very in a selfish place and mm-hmm. uh, everything was about me, you know, my hurt, what he'd done to me. And I think that's sort of one of the things I see in the group and that I try and, you know, help women get away from is that sort of victim mentality of, um, like this has happened to me and this is who I am and um, just not allowing it to become your identity. Yeah. Um, now, now you recommend a book by uh, Vicki Tide that's called When Your Husband is Addicted to Pornography. Yeah. This is one of your main books that you utilize in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, I've uh, read through this and and it seems like that's her real drive yeah. in the book. Would you say so? Yeah, I'd say so. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing that's, um, I don't know, I'm not sure I've quite figured it out yet that the book sort of talks about focusing on yourself and how you can't control your husband's actions, which is true. But I also think that there's a unity that comes to being married and that we're meant to care for one another, you know, and we're supposed to carry one another's burdens and we're supposed to hurt when someone else hurts, especially when it's our spouse, you know. Um, and so... In a sense, I think that sort of, I'm just going to focus on me, sort of shut me off to my husband. And I'm not sure that that was the best thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're meant to care for one another. And, you know, it's, if if our spouse is hurting, you know, we should hurt with them. I mean, yeah. to just say like, well, you've got your problem and I'm going to focus on me. Yeah. Um, Did it help you to kind of have the care for him? Because he showed remorse for his behavior? Definitely, yeah. 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 And God did a lot with my heart, too, um, just softening me to him. And um, and my husband was so patient with me, so patient with me and um, compassionate and loving. And there came, there came a moment where it really, he started taking care of me and um, I didn't really want to be taken care of, but... Mm. He was there for me. And um, and you had to let him back in. Yeah, I did. Are these some of the hardest, is that some of the hardest uh, um, stages of, of this kind of recovery? Um, 
you know, from tragedy like infidelity yeah. where you have to let someone back in? I think so. I mean, I remember God just speaking to me, love is not safe, you know, like. That's awesome. That's a good phrase. We, we want to be safe all the time in relationships, mm-hmm. but um, it requires us to be vulnerable, you know, and to be willing to be hurt. You know, if you're in a relationship and you don't really care if the person hurts you, then, you know, what sort of relationship do you actually have with them? Yeah, not a good one. Yeah. yeah. So um, there does come a point when you have to, in a sense, invest again and be vulnerable again. And um, Yeah, and being vulnerable means pain. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's God's example to us. He's right. vulnerable. He, Philippians chapter 2, where he leaves his place in heaven takes the form of a servant of a mm-hmm. man and suffers and dies, you know, a death, uh, a brutal death. Right. You know, so there becomes a vulnerability in his love mm-hmm. for his people. Right. And um, relating to you, too. I mean, Christ, I mean, Christ wanted to be one with us in a sense, like he wanted to feel the pain, to feel the hunger, everything to relate to us in that. And, um, and so I think similarly in this struggle, you know, we should care for one another. And that doesn't mean we have to, you know, pick it apart like I did. I think that was a mistake. Um, but certainly, um, we should, we should care for one another like Christ did for us. Yeah. And you really have to, you know, grow in theology really to be able to do that. Meaning you really have to grow in your understanding of God and yeah. what he says, mm-hmm. you know, in order to really trust God in this area. Yeah. You know, can I, can I forgive someone who potentially could hurt me again? Right. You know, is, is it, is the risk worth it? Right. You know, and you know, for me, it's like, I'm, I can't see how you would do that unless your focus was on honoring God or glorifying God Mm -hmm. or wanting him to be exalted in your life and knowing that that's, that's the move of your heart ultimately is to, um, value God, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, because it seems like if you're valuing your husband too much in your heart, if you put him up too much, mm-hmm. then, you know, when he when you know there's a potential risk, right. you could you could shut that down and say, mm-hmm. well, you know, I, I mean, I value him, but but not going there. I'm not going there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it seems like if you value God, then you'll you'll be more willing to do uh, what God did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, do you think that's kind of true in your own Yeah. I mean, I remember, um, sort of walking through this and it was a long walk. I mean, we're talking years and years with my husband and, um, I was reading Hosea and Hosea is a great book to read, um, just as far as seeing how God loves us. And, um, anyways, my husband had written me a letter at work about how he'd fallen to pornography and I was so mad and I was supposed to meet him at church and, um, I remember I was in the parking lot and praying and I don't remember what I was praying, but just mad, really mad. And, um, and God just kind of spoke to me like, this is what, like, you're the same, Bethany. Like, you're not any different. You know, this is how you make me feel when you choose these things. And, um, so I think seeing yourself as a sinner is a huge, huge part of this too. And Mm. a lot of the times, um, I see a, a sort of um, spirit of religion, I guess, um, in the group where it's like, well, I don't struggle with that. You know, how could he struggle with that? 
almost like this, I'm better than. Mm. Um, and, um, and so that's a good prayer too, is to ask God to show you your own sin and your own wickedness. And mm. that certainly will give you compassion, you know. And that's what's needed, obviously, in that moment, right? Definitely. You know, where you need to have compassion on your husband. He's trying to get off of it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't look inward to your own sin, if you're not if you're not cognitive of your own yuck, mm-hmm. then you really, um, you know, you become very prideful mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, right? Right. I tend to look at, like, you know, a passage that always has helped me is Psalm seventy three twenty five that says, My heart and flesh will fail, but you are the strength of my portion forever. Mm-hmm. And it's a famous passage, but I've always thought of it in light. I've always put different people's names in mm-hmm. that, people that are close to me, my wife, right. my kids. And that's helped me out, mm-hmm. you know, to go, you know, their heart and flesh will fail me. Right. That's kind of reminded me, you know, then I go back to the original passage of my heart will fail, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm going to fail them. They're going to fail me, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, it, it, it's difficult, though, I think in a culture that we live in, in a church culture, you know, how much how much do we really work on confession and forgiveness in a marriage? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's probably not much. No. You know, so there's not like the the daily sit down. Hey, let's really confess our sins kind yeah. of thing. You know, which is kind of odd, you yeah. Because then you can't really forgive one another, and mm-hmm. you can't really extend mercy, right? You know, what's cool though is, at least now in my marriage, I would say that there is, you know, um, and God's done a lot of humbling. I really, I was a religious person. <laughs> Looking mm-hmm. back on that time, I really, I judged my husband a lot, and, um, and now it's. It's not like that. Just today, my husband texted me and said, I had donut today. Um, And I said, well, I went shopping every day this week, you know. (laughs) Right. And so it's like we're in this together. Yeah, it's okay to share these vulnerabilities or these areas that you guys are struggling in a little bit. Right. Yeah, and it's good because I think, you know, uh, in counseling, you always want to help people go, hey, if you could start small, you know, mm-hmm. then it leads to an understanding like a, you become a, like a reinforced issue, mm-hmm. you know, where, oh, yeah, you know, my, my husband struggles mm-hmm. with stuff um, because I don't, you know, sexual struggle to me, it's not a shock in our day that people struggle yeah. so, you know, much, right. you know, with sexual things. I mean, I don't see how someone could be blown away by, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, wow, I can't believe you struggle with pornography. Yeah. It's like, really? Yeah. You know, it's just so dominant. It really takes a united front, you know, a husband and wife to really say, hey, we're going to fight this thing together, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, I think the struggle with that is for the wife to not be the police, you know. Yeah. And it's so easy to be like, we're going to fight this together and I'm going to take your phone and I'm going to take your computer. <laughs> so start controlling everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's the what's the problems with that you see? Oh, it just doesn't it doesn't foster love in the relationship, you know, and really the, the goal is, um, trust and, um, like we want, um, I know for me anyways, I want my husband to want it for himself, you know, like if I'm just taking it for him, then I'm, I'm not really helping him work on the issue. I'm just sort of being his mom, you -hmm. know, whereas if I let him fall, if I give him the opportunity to fail, then I sort of 
get out of the way and I let God, you know? Yeah. What if a husband says to the wife, like, hey, you know, I want you to be my partner, my accountability partner in this fight I have with lust. And, you know, that means I'm going to give you, uh, you know, all the passwords. I want you to check everything. I mean, do you find that that is a positive thing that has worked in your situation or not? No. (laughs) Okay. So no. No. I mean, um, certainly, um, helping, I guess, amputation happen can be a good thing. And that, you know, if your husband is coming to you and saying, you know, the computer's a temptation for me, will you set up a password? Like, that's cool, you know, but if you're the one that's taking the computer and setting up the password, I think that's a little bit different. Um, like you mean setting it up and monitoring it right. and stuff like that. And really just, um, I don't think that it's, um, I don't think it helps a woman, a wife to grow in love for her husband when she is seeing all the things that he's doing, um, just from someone, I mean, I've walked that out and it's just not a good road to go down. Yeah. And what I find is if a, if a wife isn't in the position to forgive her husband, um, meaning if she's struggling with just the ability to forgive her husband Mm -hmm. in areas of sin, right then she's certainly not going to be a good accountability partner. Right. She's just going to rub his face in the sin. That's right. You know, so it's like there has to be some kind of measure of um, um, just understanding here that in order to be a good accountability partner in a marital situation, Mm -hmm. you have to be someone who's willing to forgive someone of their struggle. Yeah. And of of the trial. Yeah. And And I... I guess my question would be too, like if your husband's viewing pornography every day and you see that every day he's looking at porn, are you going to be able to still have mercy and grace in your heart towards him? Or is it going to cause bitterness? Because if it's going to cause bitterness, then it's really not to the benefit of your marriage that you be the accountability partner. Now, I've always seen, Bethany, that there's different relationships in the Bible for different purposes. Mm -hmm. And I know some women have, wives have struggled with me on this issue, you know, for sure. And uh, and I'll be more specific. But um, I'll first say I I tend to see in the Bible that... um, that David and Jonathan had a, a certain kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jesus and some of his disciples had a certain kind of relationship. Yeah. Paul and Timothy had a certain kind of relationship. Um, and it co- you can go back words too, meaning mm-hmm. we can go in the Old Testament and we can see that Moses and his, uh, his partner Aaron mm-hmm. or her had a, a different kind of relationship. Even Moses and Joshua's relationship mm-hmm. was different than that of Aaron and her. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, I, I see a, there's a lot of men relationships that are in the Bible. Right. And, 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 the, and, and if you study them, you kind of see that there's some different kind of, um, ways that they relate to one another. Mm-hmm. Some are more in a professional sense. Some are more in a personal sense right. um, for certain. And and I see something really specific in that um, that's a husband and wife. There's relationships that are mentioned throughout the Bible, too, mm-hmm. of um, different people, sure. whether it's Abraham or Isaac yeah. or Jacob and mm-hmm. and their wives. But anyway, and there's and there's a different portraying of their relationship as well. Yeah. And so with all that said, understanding that there's there's different kind of relationships that we all should have. And then I look at, you know, the the famous proverb of um, 
um, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I tend to look at that in a real gender way, Mm -hmm. meaning it specifically says, so one man sharpens another man. Mm -hmm. So um, I usually don't use it for women per se. Mm -hmm. I'll use it maybe a different passage to talk about women with women, and maybe that's Titus chapter Mm 2 in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. But I really like to keep the proverb um, um, gender specific. Yeah. So as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so men are able to work with men on certain things. Yeah. And I see that in the relationship issues again when I look at how they are set up in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I also see another uh, situation where Moses needs help in his ministry and his father-in-law uh, Jethro tells him, hey, don't, he didn't say, hey, get your wife, have her help you out in ministry. Right. That wasn't the answer. The answer was actually find other men mm-hmm. and have them join you in right. this. And um, and that, those things always, I guess, speak to me mm-hmm. um, about how um, a man needs another man in his life yeah. to help him along in the journey. Mm-hmm. Um of seeing things biblically and being encouraged mm-hmm. and, and, and especially holding him accountable. Yeah. Um, and, and not to express everything to your wife, mm-hmm. but to use your accountability partner, your Jonathan, if you will, right. you know, if you're David, you know, to share that with mm-hmm. now, does, does that sound weird to you? No, it sounds right on. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of wives don't like that approach. They kind of go, "Well, no, I want to know everything. I want to know everything." Yeah, you know. Well, why do you think that is, though? Well, you know, I mean, my own thought is that it probably has to do with control. Yeah. It probably has to do with fear. Right. Right. They. That's my own thought on yeah. it. Um. They fear what could happen. You know, I remember one time when my wife just said, "Hey, I'm going to go on Facebook." It was it was years ago now. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was when you know no one. Not too many people. It seemed like we're on Facebook, you know, and she's right. like, hey, I want to <laughs> I want to go on Facebook. And I remember my first thought was extreme jealousy, mm. extreme fear. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it made me think, oh, yeah, well, maybe she can. But then I'm going to check it. You know what I mean? Because there's yeah. I know there's a lot of maybe high school friends on there. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing started sure. coming into my mind. So, you know, fear is not faith. Right. And so I've always heard it put that God will never bless the arm of the flesh mm-hmm. and he yeah. can't, he, he can't honor the flesh. Mm-hmm. So, cause it's not of God. Right. So I've always tried to explain to wives like, Hey, it's not going to work. Right. You know, have you tried to explain that to women and how is successful? has that been? Um, well, I definitely have tried to explain that and it's, it's easy for me to explain cause it's something I've walked out and lived and, just tasted the fruit of and it was not good (laughs) there was nothing that was good about that in my life it was destructive if anything um and can can that damage a marriage yeah yeah knowing too much and um and you know when you're walking in the flesh like you said walking in fear walking in control um you're sowing seeds that are not good you know that you're going to reap eventually um Mm. and what a powerful word that is to <laughs> women that maybe hear this podcast, you know, that because they think, oh, no, it's fine. No, it's not fine. Yeah. It's but not good. <laughs> now, you have to draw mm-hmm. some boundaries in your groups, I'm sure, where you have to do like kind of lay some things down to a wife who maybe is working in fear. Yeah. 
you know, and you have to say, hey, this is this seed that you're sowing is not going to work out well. Right. You know, you're going to reap it and, you know, reaping fear is going to be more fear. Right. And, um, you know, has has some ladies just not gotten it? Yeah. And some people, I mean, myself included, just have to walk through it, you know. Yeah. They and, have to kind of learn. Yeah. Learn through their mistakes. And um, I remember one time in the group, um, I don't remember this, the specifics, but a lady was asking, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. And, and you could just tell that it was just all fear, you know, and control and um, and we were all like, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the wise thing to do. And, um, just trying to show another way. And, um, I think she ended up trying it and realizing, you know, that it, it wasn't going to work, you know? Mm. Um, but it really is just a time, you know, if you're going through this and your husband is struggling with pornography or lust or adultery, it's, it's just a time of letting go and, completely holding on to God and trusting that he's all that he says he is and that he's good and that he loves you and um, that he's big enough to put your life back together. And that means getting out of the driver's seat, you know, and letting God do what he needs to do. And, and that's going to mean allowing your husband to fail at times. Um, I think for me, that was one of the biggest, you know, paradigms that has changed in my mind is that like, I remember thinking, you know, he's just going to stop pornography and that's going to be it and it's going to be over. And real life is like, we both fail every day, you know, and, um, allowing, allowing my husband the opportunity to fail and grow through that failure and to find God through that failure and allowing God, um, to move and like not being God myself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, first Timothy, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, good conscience and sincere faith. Mm -hmm. And it talks about people that stray from that just simple command to love. Mm -hmm. And instead they, they cause disputes and they're into all this other stuff, right. you know, very fear-oriented stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and it seems like that's the contrast. Either you're going to love, mm -hmm. you know, or you're not, right. and you're going to fear. Let me get into some something specific with you. Sure. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, me and Peter went through that in one of our podcasts, and it's another very um, controversial section, but I wanted to get your perspective on it. In verse 4, when it says the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does, and likewise the husband does not have the authority over his own body, but the wife does, and it says do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that uh, you give yourself to fasting and prayer and then come together so that Satan does not tempt you because mm -hmm. of your lack of self-control. Um, how do you view that passage um, when it comes to the situations um, that you find yourself in as a wife um, with a husband who, you know, omits his struggle, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, how do you, how do you work with that passage and make it healthy? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I guess a little bit of my background with that passage is um, that's something my husband used to kind of hold over me. Um, like you need to do this because the Bible says this. Um, and so, um, I think anytime that God's word is sort of being used as a manipulation tool, um, it's not a good thing. 
And for me, that was very destructive and um, very hurtful. Very, very, very hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, there there came a point in my relationship where, you know, I'd, I'd been basically told what to do and um, sort of looked to as the replacement. Like, I can't have porn, so I need you. And, um, and there, there just came a time where I had to say no, um, to that behavior. And, and for me, it became all about something that was done willingly. Like I think about that passage we talked about, I think it's in, um, Philippians where it talks about Christ coming down willingly and over and over again, we see that what Jesus did was something he did on his own accord. It wasn't something that, you know someone didn't twist his arm and yeah, no coercion. Yeah. It was, it was something he wanted to do. And, mm-hmm. um, and so for me anyways, um, certainly there's, there's been times in my marriage where I don't necessarily feel in the mood or whatever. Um, but there's always a willingness now, um, to have relations with my husband and those moments when I'm feeling, um, manipulated or, um, pressure that maybe is to do with fear, you know, or control or punishment. Um, that's not something I really want to move into. Um, Mm. so today you have a lot of, you, you, you definitely have learned boundaries that it's okay for you as a wife when you know that your husband is, um, on the wrong track Yeah. to say, Hey, no, like, how's your heart? Yeah. You know, so you feel much more confident today to to draw that boundary line. I do. Do you think a lot of women, though, use the passage um, that we're referring to as a tool to, in a sense, control um, because they don't want to risk the vulnerability anymore um, that they feel towards, you know, loving their husband? Can you be more specific? Meaning... Like, does a wife, have you seen like a wife go, you know what, like, um, you know, I'm not going to have sex with you or I don't want to have relations with you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and because, um, you know, um, like I just, you've hurt me Mm -hmm. and it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wronged Mm -hmm. and so I'm not going to go there. Right. And so you can't have any more of that. Right. You yeah, know, kind definitely. of attitude, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen it kind of go both ways, you mm-hmm. know, where, um, I think some women, it's, it's almost like a form of punishment, you know, like I just don't feel safe. So I'm not doing that period. And it's like months and months mm. and months and years, you know? And yeah. for me anyways, sometimes having the relations, it was good. It sort of brought up, I mean, it was not something I wanted to do, or, um, maybe I was feeling anger towards my husband or, um, you know, we were in the thick of it, but that coming together, um, brought things to the surface and was healing, you know? Yeah. And um, it established something right in right. the marriage that you guys are in covenant. Right. And if you're so hard hearted, I mean, I think in both situations, like, are you willing to have relations or are you willing to not have relations? Like you could ask the husband and wife both, like, are you willing to just honor the Lord, you know, regardless of what that looks like or what, you know, 
if that means. Yeah. I think sometimes we get so bent in our ways, you know, like I'm not doing that or I am doing that, you know, mm-hmm. um, it can be the same for a man where it's like, you need to do this for me, you know, but really like, are we thinking about ourselves or are we thinking about the Lord and just that willingness to honor God, um, even in our marriage beds. So, yeah, because I, I totally have seen it where it works both ways mm-hmm. to injure the marriage, right? You know, for sure, where someone, you know, either uses first Corinthians seven as kind of the blunt instrument right. to say, you need to have relations with me, right? Um, no matter if, if I'm in lustful inclination or not. Right. And then you also have maybe the other person, the victim, mm-hmm. um, you know, saying, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to engage with you. Right. And it can be months and months and months and right. months of not engaging. Right. You know, and always holding over him mm-hmm. the issue of it's because you of this, this mm-hmm. you know, of, a failure or, you know, the character defects that they have in their life that have, you know, honestly, they've, they've been learned so much of it's been learned behaviors over long periods of time. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to take, it's not going to be one week that they're going to get rid of these things. Right. You know, it's going to take years and years and years. Mm -hmm. So to me, to forfeit intimacy can be a real problem. Yeah, I agree. Certainly so. And, and for us too, I mean, this is, this is pretty intimate and vulnerable, but I mean, a lot of the times when we were walking through that, there was a lot of tears, you know, there was a lot of me confessing in the moment, you know, I don't feel Mm -hmm. good enough right now. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're thinking about someone else and him reassuring me, you know, no, I'm not, I'm here with you and praying together when we were having intimacy, Mm -hmm. praying afterwards, you know, and it was something that God had to completely rewire our brains. And still to this day, you know, sometimes we'll have relations and then afterwards it's like, oh, that felt lustful. Or, you know, both of us are saying, you know, we don't want it to be like that. We want it to be like something else. And so it's a process, you know, yeah. it's it's not just something that we've arrived at. And I think that's the fear is, you know, we're afraid of something bad happening. Mm-hmm. And But really that's... That's kind of what marriage is, is yeah. things happen and you work through them, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's regaining, to me, it's almost like a regaining of your uh, relational sexual life mm-hmm. with God. Right. You know, and, and so you bring in prayer, you bring in mm-hmm. uh, the aspects of God into the marital bed. Right. So before, maybe you never prayed, mm-hmm. you know, but now you do pray. Right. And so it establishes that, hey, this is a holy place mm-hmm. of God, right. you know, um, and that certainly be- makes it different, mm-hmm. you know, than what it was maybe before, right. you know. And so I think married people need to learn that it's okay to bring God into the marriage bed. Mm-hmm. I definitely am going to do a podcast on that one day because yeah. I have some interesting thoughts on that, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but uh, you subscribe to this book that's uh by the tracys um and it's called forever and always the art of intimacy yeah yeah what do you like so much about that book oh it's an amazing book Uh that book really changed my life yeah um it's it's got really good teachings in it um and just a lot of information that if you're going through this issue you know you may need a rework of your brain, so to speak. Um, and the way that you see intimacy, the way that you see relationships. And, um, and so I feel like that book has, um, all of that information, but it also gives you tools 
questions at the end of the chapter and exercises to do together yeah. as a couple. And and it's a really practical book. It is. I mean, it's very, what, what I love about it is they start with a very theological reason mm-hmm. um, for intimacy. Mm-hmm. And then they move into basically kind of a mental framework of how it works in our mind. Right. And then they go into more of the outward expression of that mm-hmm. in the physical um, application of it all. Right. Uh, really practical. Right. You know, how you hold someone's head. I mean, mm-hmm. really cool. Mm-hmm. How you look at them in the eyes right. and what that says. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. Uh, has a, has a, has a lot of women, um, struggled with this book? You know, a lot of women, a lot of people that I've seen, they're not really willing to do the work really? <laughs> that it takes, honestly, to go through a book like this. Um, because it's, it's a lot of time, and, and I think, too, people are non-confrontational, you know? They don't really want to go there. Um, and I remember uh, my husband and I going through that book, and there was a point where one of the exercises was, like, look at your spouse for five minutes in silence. And I couldn't do it. Every time I'd try, I'd cry, and every time I'd try, I'd cry. And it was so revealing of my heart. And, mm. you know, a lot of the times people don't want to deal with their hearts, you mm. know? We don't want to... We don't want to be raw. We don't want to be emotional. We don't want to cry. And it's easier to just not think about it, you know? Mm. Um, so. Yeah, it's so good. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Uh, the best way to contact me would be through my email, mm-hmm. which is Bethy, B-E-T-H-I-E, 3000 at yahoo.com. Okay, and you're willing to take questions and Definitely. people's thoughts, and and uh, for them to meet with uh, the group that is once a month. I know that's on the Running Light Ministries website at yeah. runninglight.org. They can just click on the women's section, and they'll mm-hmm. see your picture, and they'll see kind of the latest date that yeah. you have planned to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think your new one coming up is some sometime I think it's next Saturday. Next Saturday. Yep. Okay. At one thirty to 3 here at the church. Here at Calvary Christian Fellowship mm-hmm. of Tucson. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's good having you on the program for Thanks. sure. Thanks yeah. for having me. And I'm sure we'll want to have you. I mean, there's so many things I can think of talking to you more about. Yeah. Our podcast would probably be like two and a half hours. <laughs> so we'll cut it off there. But thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.